So I found that I have to wear glasses to, to start to read things. And I was at the museum with Abby and Olivia the other day, and I'm trying to take pictures with my phone, and I couldn't tell whether I was taking blurry pictures or I was taking clear pictures, and I just couldn't see uh, whether they were blurry or not because of the glasses. Um, and this morning, as I was printing out my sermon, Kate said I need to, to start making the font bigger as I print it out. So I think I may be getting old. Well, the title of this morning's sermon is Followers and Not Fans. And as you may have noticed, about two weeks ago, there was this event that took place. Um, a few of you may have watched it on TV called the, the Super Bowl. For those that don't know what that is, um, about 112 million people got on their TV sets and watched a football game between the, the Denver Broncos and the, and the Carolina Panthers. Now, you may not be a football fan, and you still may have turned in. I know that my daughters, Abby and Olivia, they don't care for football, but they do like to watch the commercials. Other people like to get together and just eat food and, and, and spend time with friends, so there's you know the social aspects of it. You may just be a, a fan of the game. You might not have you know, worn a Peyton Manning jersey or a, or a Cam Newton jersey as you watch the game. You, you know, may not be into the, uh, the, grand, um, the grandness of the game. Still others were such diehard fans, they went all the way out to Santa Clara, not San Francisco, as they kept showing the Golden Gate during the Super Bowl. And you spent thousands and thousands of dollars to be there in person at a football game. And those are, those are the ones that I would call fans, really hard fans of the game. But there's one very important thing to think about when you think about these fans of the game. None of them actually participated in the game itself. They were all still just fans. And when we think about fans, it may not be sports, you know, we are you know, fans of other things in our lives. But still, none of these people passed, kicked, tackled, sacked, none of them were involved in the game. And that's a danger when it comes to being a Christian. Some of us are fans of being Christian. But we have to be in the game. And there's three points I'd like to talk about this morning. First of all, we need to be followers of God, not fans of God. Second of all, what does it mean to be a follower? And lastly, who should be a follower? First thing I'd like to talk about, what's the difference between being a fan and being a follower? Now, in terms of being a, a fan, it doesn't require as much investment. Now, it's true there are some huge fans and, and, and some lesser fans. Some people, when they watch a football game, they have to wear the same shirt, they have to sit in the same seat, they have to wear the same colored socks, and, you know, otherwise it'll, it'll break their superstitions. Right? Other people are more casual about it, but some people will watch their game and turn it off and you know, they'll talk with their friends all that day on Sunday and then at work the next day, hey, do you see that play? You know, they're involved about it, but then the interest 
slowly fades as the week progresses. Unfortunately, how many of us are on the same page when it comes to church? How many of us talk about the sermon in the car ride on the way home? How many of us revisit that lesson as we sit at the dinner table during the week? How often do we get into the scripture and try to reinforce that as we live our lives? Are we not fans in the same way sometimes? How many of us even make it to the car before we forget? What was the lesson about today? And there's lots of people out there that say, oh, I believe in God, but they don't attend services regularly if, or if all. And I've met many people in my life that say they believe in God. But is that enough? In James chapter 2 and verse 19, James writes, You believe that there is one God. Well, good. Even demons believe that and shudder. Which is not to say that everyone who says they believe in God is a demon. There's plenty of good people that believe in God. What I'm saying is that just that simple belief is not enough. You're still just watching from the stands. You have to put that belief into, into action. And when I say being a follower, I'm not talking about Twitter, for those of you that are familiar with that. I'm not talking about, you know, writing God in there and just seeing what kind of things God tweets out to us. That's not the kind of follower I'm talking about. The kind of follower I'm talking about is, we talked about Genesis, the book of Genesis in, in the morning Bible class. I'm talking about that level of follower where God says to Abraham, he says, go into the land I promised you. And the next two words out of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12 are, Abram left. That's the kind of follower I'm talking about, to have that kind of faith, to follow after God. Jesus foreshadows what level of commitment he's talking about here in, in John chapter 13. Beginning in verse 33, Jesus says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And there are three things to hear that Jesus tells his disciples. First of all, that he's leaving. And second of all, and very importantly, he challenges them to love each other as he has loved them. And last, even though they can't follow now, they will follow him later. And that's a really great promise that he gives them. Because he's going to be with the Father in paradise. And Peter, as was his nature, is very quick to tell the Lord that he was and would be his follower. But Christ makes it clear to him that even to the disciples, they've been with him for years, don't understand the level of commitment it's going to take to be his follower. 
But that commitment does not come without reward. And Jesus gives Peter that promise that he'll be with Father in heaven. The second point I'd like to make this morning is the fact that it takes action. It takes action on our part to be a follower. Again, going back to James chapter 2 and beginning in verse 14, James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister was out clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, faith by itself, if not accompanied by deeds, by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And, when he was, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Being a follower requires action to demonstrate faith. Does it does not change the outcome, to, outcome of the game to sit in front of the TV and cheer or boo. It doesn't change the game. It doesn't change anything to sit in the pew, say amen, and walk out the door and not live a transformed life. Action is required to demonstrate your faith. You need to go out and get it in the game. Go out and change someone else's life. Make a difference. It may be small. It may be large. You may not even realize that you're changing someone's life. But you need to be more than an armchair quarterback. And for those that don't know what an armchair quarterback is, it's that guy that sits back and analyzes the whole game and then comes up with ways that everything could have been improved. Right? He's the one that can coach anybody better than anybody else in the world, but never actually does it. These are the guys that like to sit on the sidelines and criticize the way you're coaching their kid's team, but would never actually go out and volunteer their time to be a coach, right? Maybe they're afraid of making mistakes. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, right? I make mistakes, maybe more than some, but the scripture is clear that we're all designed, or we're all going to fail in something. God gave us the gift of free will, and human nature makes us make the wrong choices sometimes. And Paul made it clear to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We've all sinned. Bottom line, folks, no such thing as a perfect person here on earth. person doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that we give up trying. And why? Because of the best part of the scripture here in verse 24. Because we are all justified freely by his grace, by God's grace, through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. We're all justified by his grace. That's why we don't give up. That's why we don't stop trying to live lives for God. Because he gave his grace. That's why we get up. That's why we are determined to be followers for him, because of that promise. Not to earn that gift of grace, but in thankful recognition of that grace. So we do all do our part in working for the Lord. And Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, in chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, spells it out, and he says, In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, Keep away from every believer who's idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teachings you receive from us. For you yourselves were, know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we don't have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work should not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we commend and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. We're instructed to keep working, stay busy for the Lord. And that's what a good follower does. And the last point I wanted to look at is who should be a follower. We've talked about so far that we should be followers, not fans, not sitting on the sidelines. And we know that it's going to take commitment on our part to be a follower. But as you sit there, you ask, well, how can I show the commitment? How can I be of service? And there are a great many different ways to serve. And that's the great thing about being a part of the family in Christ. There's always work to do. And there's always many different types of jobs to do. Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. I think Paul did it really well in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, and he writes, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body as it is with Christ. For we were all baptized one by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And it's very important to recognize that each one of us are different. We are all represented here in these different parts of the body. And sometimes we may feel less important. But I'm here to say each one of you is critical to the body of Christ. And if you'll bear with me, I'd like to continue here in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts needs no special treatment. But God put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it, and if one part honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And brothers and sisters, as we read this scripture, please insert your name into the part that says, know that you are part of the body of Christ and you are essential to maintaining that body. Each one of us is indispensable to the body here in Annapolis. Each one of you brings different talents to keeping this family strong. And I know we all sit there and start thinking about things, well, there are things that I can't do. And, and while I may have volunteered to come up here and preach this morning, if Mitch comes up and asks me to lead singing, um, I'm going to have to defer. Um, that is one of the few jobs that my wife will fire me from. Because where I'm leading singing, you don't want to go. Uh, I don't know if you've used this term, but We've used it before that somebody, when they're singing, if they have a bad voice, we say they're singing for Jesus because they're not singing for the rest of us. And I certainly fall into that camp. I do not have a beautiful singing voice. So that's, that's not where my, my strengths lie. Now, John will get up here and sing, and, and Jason will get up here and sing, and, and they have singing voices to lead the congregation. And we had a member... Who, uh, who came here, and he loved to get up and sing, and he would get up and pray, but boy, he just did not want to give a devotional on Wednesday nights. Okay, we have our strengths. We have our weaknesses. Everybody has something to offer. Whether you think so or not, the scriptures are clear. You are indispensable to the body. And nobody's saying it's easy to be a follower of Christ. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, Don't suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. It's going to be hard to follow after Jesus. It takes effort. We must take up our cross and follow after him. And how do we do that? 
In Matthew 16, beginning in verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in God's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. So brothers and sisters, let's get up out of our comfortable chairs. Let's turn off television sets. Let's not be fans, but instead be followers, committing ourselves to God's work, each and every one of us, in the capacity, using the talents that God has given us, every day taking up our cross to be his and his alone. And this morning when we say amen and the service is over, let's not rush out the door. Let's spend time as family and fellowship. Let's find out what concerns the other one has. Let's build each other up. Let's comfort one another. Let's take what we've learned this morning. Let's take what we're going to learn this evening and carry it with us into our week. Let's spend time together in prayerful, thoughtful discussion as families. Let's focus on our lives in God. If we're willing to talk about the football game on Monday morning, let's live lives that are a message to those around us as we enter into our week. The lesson is yours, brothers and sisters, this morning. If you have a need this morning, or if you'd like to come forward and give your life to Christ, let us stand as we sing.